0: jasoncharles.net. Deep talk, deep sounds. The Manhattan Millennial Book Review with host Anuja Jaswal on jasoncharles.net. This is Anuja Jess Wall, your host of the Manhattan Millennial Book Review, here on jasoncharles.net arts and culture shows. On this episode, I will be reviewing Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. Rebecca was first published in 1938, and it's a seemingly simple story. A young bride moves into a grand estate and is haunted by the mystery surrounding her predecessor. But Du Maurier's carefully paced narration and layered intrigue has inspired several adaptations, most notably Alfred Hitchcock's 1940 film, A Cornerstone of Classic Hollywood. Its most recent iteration, directed by Ben Wheatley, was released in October 2020. And truthfully, it was the promise of yet another adaptation that prompted me to go and pick up this book again. I want to start by talking about the characters in Rebecca because the main characters aren't what you'd expect. The first one is Manderley, which is not even a person. It's this grand estate, confounding and intimidating. It's innumerable rooms and passages engulf the narrator as she quite literally tries to find her way. And the second, of course, is Rebecca, Despite the novel being named for her, she's gone before it begins, and yet the emptiness she leaves in her wake makes her seem more present than ever. A note scribbled in a forgotten book, a ghostly bedroom meticulously maintained by Mrs. Danvers, and a new Mrs. de Winter crippled by the thought of a perfect first wife, a fantasy she can never quite live up to. Now, obviously, most would argue that the narrator is technically the main character. Even if Du Maurier eschews some details, like her first name, her first-hand account allows readers to intimately witness her insecurities and growing obsession with Rebecca once she arrives at Manderley. And yet, Dumas's vivid style means that we discover things through the narrator, not about her. Rebecca is characterized by the narrator slipping in and out of different fantasies and memories, causing her recount to feel like lived experience rather than a dry recapitulation of facts. Here are a few examples. Towards the middle of the novel, the narrator's husband, Maxim, goes to London on a trip, and she comes across a stranger on the grounds, Jack Favelle, who refers to him as Max. No one ever called him Max. I'd seen it written once on the flyleaf of a book, the letters thin and slanting, curiously pointed, the tail of the M very definite, very long. I thought there was only one person who had ever called him Max. Jack Favelle, referring to Maxim as Max, reminds the narrator of the fact that there was only one other person that she knew of who did that, and that was Rebecca. And that memory takes her back to the image of Rebecca's handwriting in a book that she found near the beginning of the novel. Now, there's two kinds of memories that narrators can convey to readers. There's a kind that occurred when the readers weren't witnessing it, and then there's the kind that occurs when readers were present for the original moment. And Dumarie chooses, by describing Rebecca's handwriting again, to focus on the latter, which means that the readers experience memory with the narrator. So this is the narrator describing Maxim's mother and she's imagining what her life would have been like when she was young. I did not think of her as she was now. I saw her when she was young and when Manderley was her home. I saw her wandering in the gardens with a small boy, Maxim's father clattering behind her on his hobby horse. He would wear a stiff Norfolk jacket and a round white collar. The verb saw is important here. The narrator has no way of knowing what her mother-in-law's life was like earlier, but her imagination practically conjures it up before her eyes for a moment. And we as the readers see it too. This next moment occurs right after the infamous dress scene. Dumari masterfully balances reality with imagination here. Rebecca, Always Rebecca. Wherever I walked in Manderley, wherever I sat, even in my thoughts and in my dreams, I met Rebecca. I knew her figure now, the long slim legs, the small and narrow feet, her shoulders broader than mine, the capable, clever hands. I knew her face too, small and oval, the clear white skin, the cloud of dark hair. I knew the scent she wore. I could guess her laughter and her smile. The specificity of adjectives like long, slim, capable, clever obscures the ambiguity of verbs like guess. Even though we know that the narrator has never met Rebecca, has no way of truly knowing if her shoulders were broader or her hands more capable. This image of her pieced together in fleeting conversations and discoveries is more powerful than logic in this moment. And so like the narrator, we too are swept away by the fantasy. I would be remiss to do this podcast without a note on time. Rebecca famously begins with the line, last night I dreamt I went to Manderley again, before briefly describing life at a little hotel, very far from an old life the readers have yet to discover. Some would say Du Maurier begins at the end of her story and yet the abruptness of the conclusion is jarring. Truthfully, you forget about this little window into the couple's eventual fate by the end, buoyed along by the narrative. And I think that disconnect is deliberate as though Maurier is making a greater point about the overlap between memory, dream, and narrative, and how interconnected they really are. My final thought on the novel is that I think Rebecca can almost be split into two genres, mystery and romance. Hitchcock's film does the mystery very well, whilst Wheatley's version highlights the romance, but only Daphne Maurier seamlessly blends the two, so you should go read the book. At the next episode, I will be reviewing Homegoing, by Ya Gyasi. Subscribe to us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please go check out jasoncharles.net for many more cool shows. For those of you that subscribe through your favorite podcast platform, don't forget, every episode, I give you five books that are waiting on my shelf and one recommendation. So head on over to jasoncharles.net arts and culture shows for that exclusive segment. Until next time, this is Anuja Jesswall. Feel free to send me your comments, questions, and suggestions. Stay safe. You've been listening to the Manhattan Millennial Book Review with host Anuja Jaswal on jasoncharles.net. For more information about Anuja Jaswal, check out her Instagram at anujajaswal1997, spelled A N U J A. J A I S W A L nineteen ninety seven. Jason Charles dot net. Deep talk, deep sounds. That was so deep.